Football Podcast. This is Any Given Saturday. I'm Mark. I'm with Brennan. And today we're going to be covering today's action uh, between the Big Ten and the Pac-12 football. So, my beloved Huskers off today. Uh, so, actually just in, we just got a 26-yard run against the Big Red. So, hey, at least we're winning something. Well, I'll give you that. Uh, talking... So going into the Big Ten, and I think our pick for the any given Saturday football game of the week was Illinois and Wisconsin. Illinois went into Wisconsin, and they beat them on homecoming weekend, brought out the special uniforms, brought out the special game plan, and beat them. Did you have a chance to see that game? Uh, Actually, I saw the very ending. Um, with the interception, the field goal, I didn't catch the whole game. I uh, had a late night. <laughs> well, what I can tell you is, is that when I switched over to the game, it was twenty-four to thirteen, and Illinois looked dead to rights because there was seven minutes to go in the game, and Jonathan Taylor, who I think, personally, what I think is is the best running back in college football. Ran the ball to the left side, ran in between the tackles, got up the sideline, got down to the 15-yard line, and fumbled the football. Illinois recovered, and I think it was a big momentum swift. And what I have seen is when Illinois recovered that fumble, it was like a big momentum shift to the Illinois side. They went up the very first play off of it. They ran a 10-yard slant that was reviewable, a beautiful catch on the right side by Washington. And it really kind of set the tone for the rest of the game. Illinois ended up controlling the last seven minutes of the game. And they scored the touchdown on that drive, kicked the ball off to Wisconsin. Wisconsin had a third and four. Both teams had all their timeouts. And Wisconsin chooses to roll to the right, try and run a little Deacon Duck little run or little pass. Ends up getting picked off. Yeah, it was a pretty ugly pass. Illinois, after that interception, marches the ball down the field, runs the clock down, kicks a game-winning field goal. And I think I wouldn't be wrong to say that Champaign is the happiest city in college football tonight because pulling off that major upset against a Wisconsin team is their first win against a a Big Ten ranked opponent since 2007 when they knocked off the number one Ohio State team at that time. And it's a big win for Lovey Smith. And I think what happened today is that Lovey Smith ended up cementing himself as a long-term solution in Champaign, Illinois. Uh, I mean, I, I think Lovey Smith had a definite uh, crucial win here. Uh, win that I think it was a 30-point spread that they were supposed to get beat by. 23 and a half, yeah. Okay. Uh, so to come back and, and win by a field goal is quite miraculous, nonetheless. Uh, <laughs> yeah. That throw that Wisconsin had that was the interception looked pretty ugly. I don't know why he would have thrown that. But anyways, Illinois, capital, Illinois capitalized on the mistakes of the Wisconsin team and actually looked pretty good out there. Um, other than that, I really – I think Levy Smith has definitely submitted himself for another couple of years. But I don't, I don't see him being a long-term solution for the uh, – The reason that I that. say that, that Levy Smith is going to solidify himself in Illinois football for a while is because right before this game on Friday – he had a talk with the Big Ten Network, and he said, don't be surprised if we come out and win this football game. 
So not only is Lovey Smith showing confidence in his football team, he's also showing confidence in his game plan and in his coaching staff. Well, hit a little hard for you. Yeah, <laughs> I turned it down too. Oh Jesus! So he he showed confidence in his football team and in his game plan and his coaching staff to take his team to that next level to knock off a big. 10 team that a lot of us including myself picked to win the big 10 and really run the table on the big 10 side um yeah i think uh i'm not doubting that lovey smith's a good coach i just don't think his recruiting is transferring over well uh they, they had to turn to the transfer portal this last season to pick up a lot of the people they needed to get mm-hmm. um so i think for him to be a long-term solution he's gonna have to definitely work on that recruiting field and expanding out uh i do think that coaching staff is look they look pretty good um it's just illinois though it's just you know it's the bottom of the one of the bottom teams of the pack or the my bad the big 10 well i mean being the bottom of the big 10 is it's definitely going to be an upward battle for him that he's going to have to take a a bottom dwelling team and and try and make him a national contender and i'm not saying that's what lovey smith is about to do but i mean that's obviously his goal i don't think anybody takes a coaching job and tries to be a mid-level team. But I think if he takes Illinois and takes them to be a 500 team or somebody that will contend for a division title, I think that's a success in his book. Yeah, definitely if they contend for a division <coughs> title, it would be a huge success for him. Yeah, because, uh, I mean, if, if he competes for a division title, he's competing against a Wisconsin, a Minnesota, a Nebraska. Um He's competing against those big level programs, those teams that have national championships, those teams that have Big Ten championships, and he's contending against them. I think that's a win for Illinois football. Yeah, well, historically, Illinois is a basketball school. Yeah, that football is an afterthought, and the only thing you know, I mean, I think the only people that come to Illinois football games are alumni and students that <laughs> <laughs> come to Illinois football and visitors. Games. Don't yeah. forget about the visiting team. Yeah, I mean, because when Nebraska visited there, um, our first Big Ten game of the year when we visited champagne we invaded that 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 stadium and you know over 50 percent of that stadium was red so yeah i think uh my bad i didn't mean to interrupt you but I, I i think illinois is definitely better than the bottom half of the big 10 such as like the Rutgers, the uh indiana mm. uh purdue i think they're definitely maryland maryland uh maryland i think it'd be about the even level. I think you're still hype on the Maryland train, man. Like Maryland was good at the beginning of the season, yes, but since they started out three and zero and they were nationally ranked, they haven't done anything. They got mollywhopped by Penn State. They got exposed. Everyone saw what their offense was, and they've been getting beat by mid-level programs moving forward. So I don't, I wouldn't put Maryland up there. I wouldn't even. I, put I would them say up as Il- a contender. I would say Illinois and Maryland are probably about the same level, though. No, I, I would put Illinois above them because Maryland, when they went up against a top-level team against Penn State, they got shut out. They okay. Not only did they get shut out, they got ran out of the stadium. Yeah. Illinois went up against a top-level program against Nebraska because I don't – I mean, Nebraska is not up there with not the Big top, Ten. Not top-level. They're not a top-level program this year, but they are on the level. They're on the forefront to go to the front, and everyone knows that they're going to be back. They played them down to the last whistle. Nebraska ended up coming out of that game victorious. And then you go look at them when they went up against a Wisconsin team, a team that's 6-0. Their defense is the best in the nation. They hadn't trailed all year. Wisconsin still has not trailed in a football game up until that field goal went up through the uprights with zero seconds to go in the fourth quarter against Illinois. And it's the first time they trailed all year, and they lost. So you go up against a big-level program, and they win. I give you that. Uh, So that's why I put Illinois 
a league above Maryland as okay, we're looking could, at it. I can respect that, but I think for Illinois to truly be above them, they needed they need to actually recruit this year because you can't keep relying on the transfer portal for having guys for one or two years. Yeah, and I think that's what this game is going to do, man. Like this game is it's not only a signature win for Levy Smith and his coaching and cementing himself being able to have a job next year. I think what it has to do with is Levy Smith and being able to move forward with the job, but it's also a signature win for recruits to see that Illinois under Lovey Smith can be something that they're not yeah. just a walkover program that they can it, given the right recruits, given the right game plan, given the right coach, they can beat a number six team like Wisconsin. They can beat a team that is supposed to be in the college football playoff picture. So with, I, I think that, that Lovey Smith is definitely showing that his program can perform, mm-hmm. but it, it boils down to the rest of being a college head coach. Mm-hmm. It's not like the NFL where you get guys and you keep them for years. Mm-hmm. College, you're, you're getting people and you keep them three or four years at the most. Sometimes you get them for five. But if you're relying on that transfer portal, you're only getting guys for one or two years and they're gone. Yeah. Whether it's the NFL or they're just graduating. So I think um, – Unless you're Ohio State and you can pay off people and get a Justin Fields and be – have him be eligible right away. I still think that there's collusion there, 100%. That's the NCAA. I mean, it, yeah, there's it, no logic to most of the decisions. True, true. So, I mean, Illinois with the big upset. With that, Wisconsin now has a divisional loss. They're now not even a divisional leader. Minnesota actually leads that division because they're undefeated in the Big Ten division or in the Big Ten West. They're undefeated, so therefore they represent the Big Ten West right now. Minnesota controls their destiny to the front. The only big hurdle they have left on their schedule is playing Wisconsin and Iowa. Is Wisconsin out of the college football player? Are they out of the playoff? Out of the playoff, yes. I think unless you're in Alabama or even a Georgia, you you need to win out because – the way that SEC ESPN works is if you're not SEC and you have a loss, it's going to be very hard for you to get into that picture. So you're saying if Wisconsin – so Wisconsin has this loss. They went out. They beat Minnesota. They beat Iowa. They already beat Iowa. They beat Wisconsin. Or they beat a Minnesota, and they represent – and they beat Ohio State on a neutral field, an undefeated Ohio State team who's normally – who's what I see, they're going to be ranked at number two or number three because I think they're going to be rated higher than Clemson. They're going to be rated higher than a uh, a one-loss Alabama if they lose in the SEC championship game or if they I lose. Think, I think Ohio State has your best chance. But if they beat Ohio State, an undefeated Ohio State team, Wisconsin with a one-loss went out and say they stay on the same tear because this could be a trap game. They got Michigan next week. Or they got Ohio State next week. It could be a trap game. They were looking forward to the Ohio State game. Say Wisconsin beats Ohio State next week. They beat him again in the college in the Big Ten championship game. Does Wisconsin represent the Big Ten in the in the in the college football playoff? And if they don't, and so therefore they beat Ohio State, they beat Ohio State twice. Do they represent the Big Ten? And if not, that means the Big Ten wouldn't have a representative. So Who I, takes their place? I'll take you back to 2016. I don't know if you remember that year, but Penn State won the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. And what happened to them? 
Well, I mean, that was that wasn't a one loss Penn State team. That was that was a three loss Penn State team. They, they, but still, they won the Big Ten. So what happened to them? They were a three loss team. If you're going to put a three loss team in the playoff out of the four best college football playoff, I'm teams, just saying though. Any given Saturday, the, right? ju- the justification put a team on a neutral field. If you're going to put a team on a neutral field, any team will win. But if you're going to look at the total body of work, if you have three losses, right? Like say Nebraska with our three losses, you know, we lost to Colorado, we lost to Minnesota, and uh, we lost to we lost to Colorado, Minnesota, and Ohio State. And say we went out from here and we win the Big Ten championship game. Do we deserve to be in the playoff? Absolutely not, because Colorado is a fucking dumpster fire. Absolutely not. I'm just Minnesota saying Minnesota is going to lose two games before you, they get to the playoff. You never know what the CFB committee has on their mind, because the Ohio. But State, we're talking about a one loss. No, Wisconsin I, I get team. that, but I'm saying the Penn State team that had three losses beat the Ohio State team that went into the actual college football playoff. But what I'm saying is, is so Wisconsin. One lost team of Wisconsin. They beat an Ohio State team next week, right? They go through the season. Both teams only have one loss. And then your Wisconsin wins on a neutral field with one loss to an Illinois team, but they beat Ohio State twice, not only on Ohio State's field and in the horseshoe, but then they're going to win on a neutral field in Indianapolis. Do they not deserve to represent in the college football playoff? Because they don't have that SEC patch. Is that what you're saying? Pretty much. Okay. Uh, so then who would replace them? Ohio State. Ohio State, after losing to Wisconsin twice, That's would be in the college football playoff. Yeah. No, absolutely not. I'm that, telling you. That, that is the dumbest take I've ever heard. There's no equation <coughs> to the system. But you're talking about a two-loss Ohio State team that lost to Wisconsin twice being in the playoff over Wisconsin who won – Two times over that same team and only lost to an Illinois team on the road on a homecoming weekend in the middle of October where anything can happen in the Big Ten. That two-loss Ohio State team that lost to the same team twice is going to make it in the playoff over that one team that they lost to twice because they have one loss to an Illinois team. Yes. (laughs) Get the fuck out of here. I'm just telling you that that anything can happen. And the CFB committee is going to go towards Ohio State, then they're going to go towards Wisconsin. Ohio State had a very deciding win today. And I think, you know, we talked about this before we started recruiting, or before we started recording, is that Ohio State is for real. They won 52-3 to the Northwestern team, a Northwestern team who has been historically a team that will give anybody – on it's your ground, anybody on their schedule, a tough time, especially when they're at home. <laughs> that Ohio State went in there and manhandled them. I don't think there's a team in college football that can hang with Ohio State. Call me crazy. I don't think there is a team in college football that can hang with Ohio State. That includes Alabama. That includes Clemson. Who, I don't think Clemson's that good this year. No, uh, Clemson is not that good. They I know, struggled against the North Carolina team. Um, I know that Joel Klatt received a lot of uh, backlash over his ranking for Clemson, but I think it's justifiable. Mm-hmm. Um, I just don't think that they're playing to the caliber that they had last year. No, absolutely not. And, Ohio State is on another level. Everyone thought they'd have a drop-off. Yeah, when, I never said that. So. When you know, Urban Meyer decided to take his year off before taking the job at USC. By the way, hot take, Urban Meyer's going to be the 
uh, the head coach at USC next year. Um, with Ryan Day taking over that offense, but the problem is, is Ryan Day inherited a coaching staff that Urban Meyer built up. He took over the same coaching staff. He took over the same recruits. He took over the same everything that Urban Meyer built at Ohio State. And not only have they stayed the same, but they've gotten better. So last year, at this point in the season, they had given up over 20 explosive plays over 30 yards or more. Up until today, when they were playing Northwestern, when I was watching it, they had given up four such plays all year. So their defense has improved. That also comes down to their tackling drills and stuff that they do. Yeah, tackling drills. I mean, everything. Everything has just fallen so, together for Ohio State this year. That, so we'll, we'll go in, My bad. We'll, we'll go into the stats. So the field was... 18 of 23 for 194 with four touchdowns. Uh, Dobbins, 18 carries, 121 yards for one touchdown. Uh, they are just clicking all centers on offense, and it's fun to watch, even though they're blowouts, but I enjoy a blowout, uh, especially if you're going to be a top four, see a college football playoff. All right, if you're going to be a good football team, a blowout, you know, if I was watching a Nebraska team blow out somebody, or if you were watching USC blow out somebody, we would enjoy it. And so I think that's where I take away my fandom and I start getting into the analyst portion is that when I'm watching a team blow out somebody, like a, a team that has historically played everybody very close, like a Northwestern, and seeing them just getting roundhoused by an Ohio State, I enjoy it because I enjoy seeing a football team that can click on all cylinders on all three sides of the football. I think the biggest thing, too, is uh, with the way that college football committee is set up now that if you aren't going into places and – dominating uh, teams, especially teams that you should be dominating, is going to hurt you overall. So I think Ohio State going in there and getting 52 points is mm -hmm. great for them, and it shows just truly how dominant they are of a football team. Yeah, I mean, you know, they got the show out on a Friday night, which the Big Ten is starting to go to more. Uh, they're starting to go to more uh, Friday Night Lights schedule. It's actually pretty funny because a lot of the teams opted not to do it. Um, but now they're being forced to do Yeah, that. I mean, going to Friday night, I mean, you're on the prime time. You're the only college football game that's going on at that time in that time slot on national television. So it's a chance to show your your prominence as a football team. And I think Ohio State going into that game um, was knew what they were looking at. They knew what was on the line, even though it was against a team like uh, – you know, a lower level team like Northwestern who has kind of underachieved for the season. Um, <laughs> but with underachieving comes overachieving and overachieving is Minnesota this year. Minnesota played Rutgers today. Um, I actually, I watched that game uh, for a little bit today while I was watching my son. Um, Minnesota looks dominant. I don't think there's they, a team in the West that can fuck with Minnesota because Minnesota has a defense that is absolutely incredible. They gave up a late touchdown to Rutgers to make that game seem even closer than it should have been with the 42-7 to final. That Wisconsin going to Minnesota when they play is going to be a very fun game for me to watch, analyze, and predict because it's going to be a toss-up. It's going to be a 50-50. You know, at the beginning of the season – when I looked at it, Minnesota, Wisconsin is going to be a Wisconsin roll. I picked Wisconsin to win the West. Um, I don't, 
I don't see that game being more than a ten to seven game or a thirteen to seven game, especially you know. So you think it's gonna be close? It's gonna be very close. I think it's gonna be within. uh, I think it's gonna be within four, three to four points. I I don't think it's gonna be a blowout. I think it's gonna be a very defensive battle. Yeah, I don't think it'll be a blowout, but I think it's gonna be. I I wouldn't say it'd be a blowout, but I think it's definitely gonna be a couple of touchdowns difference. I don't. I don't. So we'll, we'll I go don't into see it. Because, we'll go into our predictions after. Uh, yeah, after I, I don't. I don't see Minnesota and Wisconsin giving up as many points because going into today's game, Wisconsin gave up twenty nine points all season. They gave up twenty four to Illinois today. So I don't see them giving up a lot of points the rest of the season because this game is going to be a big kick to the Wisconsin defense and it's going to be to put a big chip on their shoulder that they're going to play lights out for the rest of the season. I really believe that. I think. You know, you know, when we go into our predictions, you're going to see with, with the Ohio State-Wisconsin game where my prediction is on that one. But, you know, kind of foreshadowing into it with the Minnesota game is that Minnesota and Wisconsin is going to be a really close game. Iowa got a scare today against Purdue. Before we go into Iowa, let's go into the stats for the Minnesota Rutgers. Uh, Minnesota, we got Tanner Morgan going 15 of 28 with 245 yards and two touchdowns. Rodney Smith with 19 carries, 111 yards, and two touchdowns. And then we got Tyler Johnson looking like a beast out there with six receptions, 130 yards, and one touchdown. Um, so now we're rolling to Purdue and Iowa. Uh, pretty close game. Uh, yeah, <coughs> Purdue, Purdue had that game pretty close. Um, Iowa kind of pulled away there at the end. Um Iowa pulled away at the end. Purdue kind of made it close on a late fourth quarter drive. Um, they scored a touchdown right there at the end. It was 26-13. I actually flipped off of that game to flip over to the Illinois-Wisconsin game, which I think is understandable. Um, Purdue made a late score to kind of make it a little bit closer than it should have been. Uh, Iowa, Iowa is... Iowa's Iowa, man. Like I, I don't really know what to say about Iowa <clears throat> other than they're a perennial nine-win team that'll go in if they're not in the Big Ten championship game and the Big Ten championship winner doesn't go to the college football playoff, then they'll go to the Rose Bowl. Like They have to have a lot of things fall into their place for Iowa to represent into the Rose Bowl. Yeah, Iowa might go play in the Holiday Bowl or they'll go play in the Tax Slayer Bowl down in, o- in Orlando. That's where they're going to play, and that's where they're going to stay until they have a regime change. And that's no fault on Iowa. As much as I hate Iowa, I despise Iowa. I hate Iowa fans. At me, I fucking dare you. I hate Iowa. Um, but that that's kind of where Iowa is, and that's where Nebraska is kind of moving towards. Towards We're kind of going to try and take Iowa's place to start trying to take Wisconsin's place. But we have to dethrone Iowa before we start looking at a Wisconsin level football team out there in Lincoln, Nebraska. Yeah. So yeah, uh, Purdue actually looked pretty dominant on the stat board here. Uh, you got Jack Plummer. With Jake 30, Plummer. That's Jack. For uh, 30 of 50, a lot of pass attempts. Uh, 327 yards, two touchdowns. And then you got David Bell going absolutely crazy with 13 receptions, 197 yards and one touchdown for Purdue. And then for uh, Iowa, you got Sargent going 13 carries, 68 yards, and one touchdown. Yeah, so Purdue decided to take the air raid against them. Iowa tried to keep up. Uh, 
kind of got away from their their well, run they heavy. Try, they, they they actually did. Keep, keep uh, well, what I'm saying is they tried to match uh, the the pass heavy offense of okay. Purdue, and you know Jack Plummer, he's a freshman. He looks good out there. He's from Gilbert, Arizona. Um, I actually know some people. I actually have some friends of mine that are still out there in Arizona. I've seen him play. He's he's a damn good quarterback. He is. <laughs> You know, I'll say it now, four years in the future, he'll be playing on Sundays. Uh, Jack Plummer is a good quarterback. He has drawn comparisons to, believe it or not, a Drew Bledsoe. Okay. Um, so, he's he's good. I'll, I'll give Jack Plummer uh, the credits where, where credit is due. Um, I, I'm not even going to cover that game. I'm not even going to lie to you. I, I know absolutely nothing about Indiana. The only thing I know about Maryland is that they were 3-0 and and they've lost four straight. So... That's all I know. So with uh, uh, with the Indiana Maryland game, we got a 34-28 game. Um, we got Tyrell Pigrom from Maryland, 17-27, 210 yards, two touchdowns. We got Javon Leak. I probably just mispronounced his name. I apologize, but 23 carries for 158 yards and two touchdowns. Damn. And then you got Indiana's Peyton Hendershot for six receptions, 95 yards. So stat wise, it looks like Maryland had a really good game, but score wise, not so well. So we're gonna cover the highlight game for the Big Ten. I'm sure any of you that are football fans, and if you're listening to this podcast, it means you're a diehard college football fan because that's the only way you'd find us at this point. Yeah, we're not. <laughs> we're not well known. Um, is Michigan Penn State? And dude, let's talk about that play. Shea Patterson. Gets out of the sack, steps up into the pocket, throws it into the middle. Receiver drops it. In the end zone. In the end zone. It was literally probably one of the best throws in that red zone that I've seen all year in college football. It was right on the numbers. It was right in it was right in his numbers. All he had to do was catch the ball, put it to his chest, fall to the ground, touchdown, tie ball game. We're talking about a Michigan upset in in Penn State, but now we're talking about Penn State just ran out the clock, one twenty-eight to twenty-one. Shea Patterson, kind of like a pedestrian night, twenty-four for forty-one for two hundred seventy-six yards, had an interception, his QBR of fifty-four point six. Kind of like a, it's a pedestrian night for him. The run game carried them. Uh, they had one hundred forty-one yards on the ground for three touchdowns, um, with three three and a half yards per carry. So the the rush game kind of carried them through this football game against Penn State, but so one thing I will say is I I definitely thought after the first quarter that this was going to be a blowout because Penn State was just pinning up numbers against them. I would say at halftime, man, it was twenty one to seven at halftime, and I remember zero. I remember I texted you. I was like, hey man, come over. You know, my wife has friends over. It's you know all these girls are over. I need I need some dude time. And you were like, oh, I'm watching the Michigan-Penn State game. I was like, it's on at the crib, dude. Just come over. And I remember getting that text from you, and I was watching uh, USC play U of A. And, you know, that was a pretty close game at the time, which we'll get into here. Yeah. Is It was 3 to nothing. I was like, dude, come over. Let's watch the USC game. You know, let's start talking about this podcast that we're going to record. And I remember when you came over, you were like, hey, what's up with that Penn State game? I switched over. It's... 21 to 14 i was like oh shit we got a football game yeah because at 21 to 7 at home at penn state you don't think that it would be, end up being a football <laughs> game exactly and i think that comes back to uh 
Harbaugh, and as much as it pains me to say that, uh, he hasn't lost the locker room yet, and I don't think he's going to because this team did not show very much fight in the first quarter. But as the game went on, their fight grew more and more. No, they did not. He has not lost the locker room. But what Jim Harbaugh has lost is the fan base. 100%. That fan base is calling for his head. And the reason is because when he came in, he inherited a 10-3 and football team. He inherited a 9-4 and you know, talent-wise, you're looking at a 10 to 3, 9 and 4 football team. Yeah. He inherited that team. And when you think Jim Harbaugh, you're thinking national championships. Exactly. And you might have to run the old trusty Google on this, but I don't think he's played in the Big Ten championship game. I, uh, I will have to look into it. Yeah, I'd have to look into that. I'm, I apologize. I'm 99% positive he's never played in the Big Ten championship game. I know for a fact I would put. My well, life, he's never beaten Ohio State. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. I would put my life trust on it, which is a whole $10, that he <laughs> has never beat Ohio State. No, he never has. And this year, everyone thought this was Jim Harbaugh's chance. Yeah, beat I Ohio think, State. Yeah. He's going to get boat raced by Ohio State. That offense so, is the best offense <laughs> I've seen in college football since 2004-2005 USC. That's the best offense I've seen. And that... That's saying a lot because that offense with Matt Liner and Reggie, Reggie Bush, Bush Lindell White. Yeah, the best. Off, yeah. Uh, so one thing I, I want to talk about is before I came over, uh, Sean Clifford had an absolute beautiful pass in between two Michigan defenders where uh, if it's thrown just a little bit softer or just a little bit more inaccurate, it's, it's not looking too good. So I would say uh, Clifford looked pretty good, 14-25, 182. Uh, three touchdowns, no interceptions. QBR sixty point three, um, and then to go with that, the rush game at one hundred and one yards combined together. Um, it was just like I said. I thought Penn State was going to blow them out. Uh, I credit Michigan for not quitting and come, trying to come back. Um, but like we said, that that Shea Patterson. Well, do you think passed. that it was? Do you think that it's on Michigan for trying to come back, or do you think it's a Penn State lapse? Because, like we just said. Penn State could have easily had a tie football game because that drop is not on the defense. That drop in the end zone is 100 on the offense. Yeah, that throw from you know when, not even on the quarterback. It's on the receiver. No, it's on the receiver. I think it was Brown is the receiver actually. Let me see. Uh, I can't remember who it was. If I see his name, I'll see it. Bell. 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 It Ronnie, was Ronnie Bell. Bell. If Ronnie Bell doesn't drop that pass in the end zone, we have a tie football game. We're looking at Penn I mean, you State could even go for two right there and try to win the game. I don't think so. I think they play for the tie. I mean, you're on the road. It's Saturday night football. College game day was there. No, you're, you're so playing I, for the tie. You're playing for overtime because at that point, you're trusting the veteran quarterback in Shea Patterson to take you into overtime. But at that point, we're speculating. I think it's completely on Ronnie Bell. I'm sorry, Ronnie Bell, if you're listening to this podcast, which I'm 100% positive you're not, so fuck you. Um, you don't drop that pass, you're looking at overtime. And at, the, so at I, that point, you're, you're looking at a, complete, a completely I, I, brand new football game. I don't credit Penn or Michigan for coming back as much as Penn State does not. Penn have, State so gave I, up that football game. I think Penn State is just lacking that, lack that kill. Uh, like closing out a football game. Yeah, they, you, they you, close you, out you that, that kill, kill tendency. Yeah, you yeah, got you, you to have that kill tendency. Otherwise, teams stay in the game like this. And as much as you don't want to credit the Michigan team for coming back, I think they realized that Penn State wasn't going to have that kill 
instinct on them mm-hmm. and they took advantage of it. Yeah. Um so No, I think Penn State capitalized on Michigan not being able to close out a football game, and I think that's been one of Michigan's biggest knocks, you know, through the Jim Harbaugh era is they have not been able to close out a football game. And they've been involved in a lot of tight football games. And if you look at the games that they have lost over the Jim Harbaugh era over the last six years is not being able to close out a football game. So credit to Penn State. They won the football game. I think it's going to come down to the Penn State-Ohio State game, which I'm super excited for. Yeah. I cannot wait for that football <laughs> game. I think we should get together for that football game. And I honestly – that's probably – other than the college football playoffs, you know, those, the two bowl games and the national championship game. Yeah. I think that's the game I'm most excited for because I think when it comes to the Big Ten championship game – Ohio State's going to boat race Wisconsin or Minnesota, whoever represents. They're going to boat race them, and they're going to go into the college football playoff. And, you know, they're going to play a Clemson who's struggling because uh, I don't think there's a team that's going to beat Clemson this year. So, yeah, I think the ACC, I know that last week I said the Pac-12, but I, I recant my statement. I'm going to say the ACC is probably the worst out of the Power Five due to the fact that you have Clemson, who carries your conference, but you have nothing else. No, you have absolutely nothing else. I mean, in the Pac-12, you have Oregon. Like, Would you say Oregon is the top team in the Pac-12 right now? Oregon's obviously the top team right now. Okay, so you have Oregon. Because they're the Oregon. only ones that are they – were, they were supposed to be the college football playoff team. They still are. They, they, they still they are. Still they are absolutely can, still are. They still are in contention, but I don't see them beating out <laughs> – and Alabama, I think the only team they could probably beat out would be like a Clemson due to the fact that the conference is so weak. But Ohio yeah, yeah. State and Alabama are just too dominant to even try to reconsider them not being in there. Yeah. Um, I I just – I don't see any team – you could take any team out of the Big Ten and put them in the ACC, and I think they're number two or number three team. I'm I'm talking Maryland. I'm talking Rutgers. I'm talking Indiana could go over to the ACC and be successful. I think that they would be right up there with like a Wake Forest or a North Carolina, you know, a close number two, number three team. Yeah, we we got you know a close number two, number three team um, in the ACC. So. In so, the Pac-12, there was a big game this week. I, I, I want to say that for last. I don't know about you. You know, the Oregon-Washington game was I think that's absolutely the, the premier game. There was an upset in the Pac-12. Let's start out with that one. Oregon State went into California, knocked them off. What did you see in that game? Um, Actually, I wasn't able to watch it. But I think the biggest problem for Cal right now is is they are missing uh, Chase Garbers. Mm-hmm. Um, and Monster has just not been looking good at all. And so Cal has pretty much gone back to the team that they were last year, which is a team that you don't want to offense. But the defense is, is amazing. Yeah, um, so I was able to watch that game. 
Uh, it was a rainy day out in California, out in Berkeley. Um, Oregon State showed up to play. They led the game the entire way. They went into halftime with a 14-3 win. Uh, they survived a Cal surge there to take a 17-14 lead in the third quarter. And a late touchdown put Oregon State up 21-17, and they ended up coming out with the victory. Their quarterback, Lutton, for Oregon State. That dude, six years in the program. He's a six-year dude. He's graduated. He's literally there to play, just to play, and he looks good. Yeah, he's uh, he's looked good in games. I'm not gonna discredit Oregon Oregon State. Like I said last week, Oregon State is Oregon State. Yeah, uh, yeah, they're the, a victim of their own name. Yeah, the, this year has just been crazy when it comes to trying to predict uh, Oregon State and what they're gonna score, what they're gonna win. Um, but yeah, Jake Lutton um, has had games like the UCLA game where he mm-hmm. looked absolutely amazing, and then he has other games where he's just Meh. Yeah, I mean, if, if you look at him, so like somebody like myself who literally only started paying attention to Pac-12 football because we we're going to do this podcast. I started looking at these teams and I started watching these teams and I look at Jake Lutton and he passes the eye test of an NFL quarterback. He's a tall dude. He's got the build you know i think he's yeah. like 6'4 6'5 220 pounds something like that stands tall in the pocket can throw the football can he's 6'7 six, 6'7 seven. Six, seven. okay 230 pounds uh, he towered over the reporter today i just <laughs> thought maybe she was short but apparently not yeah um he he passes the eye test for nfl quarterback but what i can say about cal and what i can say about the golden bears out there is that the last four games they've held their opponents under 28 points their defense is stepping up. Their defense is there to play. They have the best secondary, without yeah, a doubt. Yeah, they, they have an They're, amazing secondary. Yeah, that's that's what carried them last year, and that's what's carrying. It was going to carry them into this year, and that's what it was helping them out in the beginning of the year. Um, but like I said, with with uh, Chase Garbers going down, it just it has killed the Cal offense. Yeah, they're the, the California defense. Evan Weaver is probably the highlight of that defense, without a doubt. Um, yeah, they're, you know, the Cal defense was able to get to them five times today. You know, they were able to hold Oregon State to 21 points, which I will say this. I'm a very firm believer that if you can hold a team under 28 points, you're going to win college football games. Yeah. And for Cal, you know, they've been able to hold opponents under 28 points for the last four games, but they've lost. And that's a testament to their offense. And if the Cal offense can get rolling, I think they'd be a force to be reckoned with. And that's in the Pac-12. They they were actually uh, one of my picks to win the Pac-12 North, but once Chase Garbers went down, like I keep saying, I'm not trying to beat a dead horse. They've just kind of gone downhill. Um, the defense, though, is definitely the the strength of this team. Uh, but we'll we'll see what it looks like going forward. Um, hopefully, they can get Monster going in there and. Actually looking pretty good. Um, yeah, so if Cal can get rolling, if they can get their quarterback play. Because they beat Washington. Yeah, I mean, so if they, they can get their quarterback play on par, I'm not saying they're going to win their division or represent the Pac-12, but, you know, they can make a respectable end of the season. Yeah, without a doubt. But talking about upsets, let's talk about that UCLA-Stanford game. UCLA, dude, 
UCLA is a garbage fire. We talked about this last week. Yeah, it's a UCLA dumpster fire. Dumpster fire. <laughs> dumpster fire. Go on the road, play Stanford. Friday night game. They beat them. Thursday night. Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know it was an off night because me and my wife watched it. Uh, beat Stanford 34 to 16 on the road. It wasn't even close. It wasn't even like they pulled away at the end. It wasn't. They were playing them tight up until the second quarter, and they pulled away. No, it was from the very first snap of the football. Chip Kelly had that offense rolling, beat the ever-loving shit out of Stanford. Is UCLA that good, or is Stanford that bad? They're that bad. Uh, like I stated before, they are pretty bad. Um, it looks like Stanford had their third-string quarterback start the game, so that's not ever a good, st- a good sign. Um, but DTR... Stat wise, looks pretty good. Um, I work nights, so I don't get really get to watch many of these Thursday, Friday night games, as you can tell. Uh, and then I usually sleep in on Saturdays. So call me a piece of shit, but I'm bum. I'm fucking, fucking tired. bum, dude. So I try to watch as many of these games as I can. Um, but yeah, DTR stat wise look look pretty good. Uh, Kelly looked like a monster with 18 carries, 176 yards. 9.8 average yards per carry. Is that a typo? That is not a typo. No, that's... 9.8 yards a carry, and it's not even like a skewed one because his long is only 54. So this dude just running the ball all over him. Their run game, their RPO. When UCLA runs that RPO, which I think we can credit Chip Kelly with bringing that into mainstream football, not even college football, but he brought it in when he was coaching the Eagles. That RPO was running nice last night or on Thursday night, um, looking good. I, I think the the biggest problem with Stanford is they don't have a running back that is solid. Dude, they haven't had a running back since Christian McCaffrey. <laughs> no, Bryce Love. Real. Bryce Love. Bryce Love was didn't even hold a candle to Christian McCaffrey. I'm not saying that he did, but Bryce Love was a solid running back. I think He's, Bryce Love was only everyone kind of gave him that. <clears throat> that nod because he came right after Christian McCaffrey. He was good though. Like, you can't deny that he wasn't good. He wasn't a Christian McCaffrey all-purpose yards good, but he I was think, what Stanford needed with a running back. Yeah, but I mean, you could see a steady decline. And I, I think that if Bryce Love goes anywhere but Stanford, he's not hailed as great as as Bryce Love is. I think that if he goes to a, a USC or if he goes to a U of A. He's kind of a forgotten name in college football, and I think the only reason people know him is because he followed a Christian McCaffrey. I'm gonna argue with that. On, and on well, that. no, because I mean everyone's paying attention to Stanford because Stanford was a nationally ranked team. They were beating Notre Dame. They were beating the USC. If everyone know? was paying attention to Stanford, they would have given Christian McCaffrey the Heisman Trophy. Nah, because he was a fucking beast during that year. Nah, uh, people were paying attention to him, and there's a reason. It's because the Stanford USC game this year. What channel is it going to be on? It's going to be on the Pac-12 fucking network. No, it already happened. They played on uh, ESPN. Okay. And they got absolutely water. When Stanford played USC back in the day, they were on ABC primetime. When Stanford was playing Notre Dame, they weren't on NBC. They were on ABC. They were on ESPN. When Stanford played fucking Navy, they were on ESPN because they had Christian McCaffrey. People were paying attention to Christian McCaffrey. Now with Bryce Love... The Stanford-USC game holds a little weight. The Stanford-UCLA game would hold a little weight, and they were playing. Now, for Stanford to get on national television, they got to play on a Thursday fucking night. 
They got to play on a Sunday afternoon, which doesn't even happen in college football. But that's how Stanford has to get on national television. Nobody pays attention to Stanford football since Christian McCaffrey went to the NFL and is now carrying the Carolina Panthers. Well, if you want to talk, Nobody. if we want to talk NFL, we'd have a different podcast. But Stanford's team rushing yards were fifty-five yards. <laughs> fifty-five. That is absolutely terrible. Compared to UCLA's 263. An wow. average of six yards a carry. For UCLA. So is that is that a testament to UCLA's backs, or is that a testament to Stanford's terrible front seven? They're, they're terrible. Okay. Uh, I agree. Adebo is the only highlight on that Stanford defense. Cause I, I think he's one of the best cornerbacks in the nation. Yeah. Uh, definitely in the Pac-12. But – the problem with Stanford is they go to David Shaw way and they're stubborn. So they play a certain coverage, a certain zone, and they don't come out of it. Mm. That's just the way they play. So I happened with them in, in, against USC is USC just burned them alive because they kept playing man and couldn't stop it. Well, I don't know. I, I think if any team runs on you for 263 yards <coughs> running, I don't think it's a testament to how good your running backs are. I think it's definitely a testament to how, to, bad, your yeah, how bad your defense is. Um, so Colorado goes in and plays Washington State. Washington State gets beat by ASU last week. Washington State beats them 41 to 10. A closer game that I think the, the score represents – Washington State absolutely demolishes them through the entire game. As much as this pains me to say it, Colorado fans, you're not back. I know you guys tried to say that when you guys beat Nebraska, and then you guys lose a close one to Air Force in overtime, and then you guys beat Arizona State. You guys aren't back. I'm sorry. I don't Colorado, think anyone thought uh, that Colorado would be back this no, year. No, Colorado, if you know, I, I paid you attention. You pretty delusional to – to have, to think well, then you can good. tell that to the Colorado podcasters because I've listened to a couple Colorado podcasts because of how much I hate Colorado. As, you know, even though I live here, I hate Colorado. Colorado thought we're back. This is it. We're on our way. We lost a close one to Air Force. We are nationally ranked. No, absolutely no. the fuck not. And I, I don't know what's going Washington on. proved it. Washington State, Wazoo, Wazoo. I think the biggest problem is. What is going on with Steven Montez? Uh, he has just looked absolutely terrible his past couple of games. Mm-hmm. He um, looked good in those big games that I mentioned, Nebraska yeah. and Arizona State. He looked like – I think we even talked about this last week that, you know, when we were doing our predictions with the Colorado-Washington State game, that Steven Montez was going to be the X factor. Yeah. Steven Montez came into this game, had 16 for 30, 126 yards, threw two interceptions. 129. Okay, sorry. I cheated him three <laughs> yards. I'm sorry, Colorado. Don't cheat the man. Yeah. Two interceptions. Looked looked like a freshman when he's a junior. And he... Montez, dude... Senior. Or a senior. He's a senior. Oh, sorry. I cheated the guy a year. He's a fucking senior. Um <laughs> uh, I don't know what's going on with Montez. Montez should be performing at a level that I saw when he played Nebraska, when he played Arizona State, of a NFL-style quarterback that I think this is why I would fail as an NFL scout because I would have Montez high on my roster. Yeah, uh, Montez 
Definitely did not look good against Washington State. Uh, so just overall, Colorado just did not look like a complete football team today. Yeah, it it definitely shows when you have Washington State rushing for over a hundred yards against you. Uh, just bad. Uh, Anthony Gordon, thirty-five of fifty-one with three hundred sixty-nine yards, four touchdowns, and one interception. Max Borgie with 12 carries, 105 yards, one touchdown, longest of 47 yards. Well, let's, let's talk about this. Uh, Anthony Gordon threw for 369 yards, four touchdowns, and an interception. Is Anthony Gordon now putting himself <laughs> – he had a good game against Arizona State last week. Is he putting himself up there in the top ranks of quarterbacks in the Pac-12? Absolutely not. Uh, <laughs> It's, Colorado's it's, defense is that bad. Yes. So the the Anthony Gordon actually leads the nation in passing yards. Uh, I think those numbers get skewed with that UCLA game. He still leads the nation. I, hey, you can lead the nation all you want. You the, put me out there. I have a nine touchdown game. I'm gonna lead the the the, no, the college so, football in in the, yards. The the thing with Washington State is Mike Leach. Mike Leach is the air raid god, pretty much. And he's proven that you can put any quarterback in there, and he's going to lead the nation in passing. Starting with Luke Falk, who is a garbage QB, mm-hmm. just got cut in the NFL actually by the so Eagles. So you're going to lead college football in yards and touchdowns in this air. I'm not raid, saying touchdowns. I'm saying yards. air raid god, as you just said. And he you're is going to be a four and three football team. They just have not played defense this year. All right. Man. I'm just telling you that Mike Leach can take any QB. He can even take you, who sucks. Oh, I wouldn't say sucks. All right. <laughs> I wouldn't say sucks. I'm, and I'm pretty decent. <laughs> I'm pretty decent. <laughs> and pitch you in his offense, and you're going to have a ridiculous amount of passing yards because that's just the way he works. He's, he's a quarterback guru who is an offensive god with the air raid. Yeah. Well, you you can't. I deny don't, that. I don't, I and would, Mike Leach is also one of the most will, interesting coaches of all time. Yeah, I will deny that I suck. But <laughs> uh, Arizona State, man, boy, I was high on my Devils. I was high on my Sun Devils. Yeah, you're telling me they're gonna freaking beat Utah. I I really thought they were. Um, but I will say this: uh, we went we went down there. Jaden Daniels took the Devils. Went down to a very soggy Utah football game, and Utah's defense looked ready to play. Um, they have the best defensive line in the Pac-12. They do. They absolutely do. Um, shout out, though, to Moss for Utah, who is now the leading rusher at Utah. He broke it today. With, um, so you actually fifth- got to watch him. Yeah, I did. I did. I, I you did see how a big of a beast he was? Yeah, Moss is a fucking monster. Man. I told dude, you. You don't want to listen good. to me. That dude is good. Um, He's all about breaking tackles. He's not about trying yeah. to avoid them. Breaking tackles, getting yards. Yeah. Uh, Tyler Huntley um, looked really good today. He looked pretty solid. Looked like a Division One football quarterback who is, who's ready for the big light. Did throw an interception. Um but still had an 80 QBR though. That's yeah, crazy. Utah. Utah came into that game ready to play. Jaden Daniels played like a freshman. Um, really, his numbers 
Four for 18. 25 yards for passing. Yeah. It, in one it, I think I don't think that comes on Jaden Daniels' skill. I think that comes oh, into the front four for Utah because what you would see is on first and second down, Arizona State would struggle to move the football, and then we get into a third down, Jaden Daniels would drop back, and Utah would only send four people in, and they would be able to get to the quarterback. And if you can get to the quarterback only sending – four people you're gonna win the football game 99 percent of the time the the biggest uh i guess what would you say uh is that number six? Oh no number no whoever number six is for utah <laughs> fuck that dude man that dude was a monster now the leaky photo is an absolute beast uh, <laughs> no six five 335 pounds yeah coming at you as a, as a as a tackle uh I hadn't seen the, the. I didn't watch much college football last year due to uh, training and stuff like that. But watching him go against USC this year, mm-hmm. he is fucking massive. What's number six's name? Look him up because I I didn't even care enough to listen to his fucking name. This dude pissed me off. Hold on, yeah. let me let me see. Oh shit! Is it is it Tafua? I think it's fucking Tafua. Nope, that's number 42. That dude's a monster as well. But anyway, number six for Utah. If you know who it is, you know who I'm talking about. That dude's a fucking monster. That dude was all up in Jane Daniels' grill all fucking day. And I'm surprised we even got three points. I'm going to be I'm gonna be honest with you. I'm surprised we got three points. I think we got into field goal position off of pass interference. <laughs> and we were able to get into field goal position. Um. Yeah, ASU absolutely gets Molly Watt by Utah. 26, I found 26. Oh, number 26, yeah. Take it off the two, I need number six. I don't know what his name is, but... Oh, it doesn't help you know any, like... Let's see what this guy's name is. Number see. six right there. Yeah, Bradley, Bradley Anai. Anai. Bradley Anai. That dude, he's going to play on Sundays. Oh, that whole defensive front is going to play on Sundays. No, Bradley Anai, I think he's going to be first-round selection. Maybe towards the bottom, maybe towards, like... He's going to be towards the bottom of the first round, but he, that, he's going to go in that first round. The whole defensive line is going to go in there. Yeah, know. absolutely. That, front's, that, that front four. Fochu is the man that leads them. Yeah, that front four for Utah. And what I tell you last week, that, offense, that offensive line for ASU was not good enough no, to handle. No, the, they, the that front, dude, that offensive line for ASU got absolutely exposed today. Uh, so, yeah, kind of a sad day on, on the hashtag Mandry side. Um, <laughs> Let's talk about the, the hashtag Norwood side. Yeah, USC, USC U of A. and Arizona. Fuck you, U of A. I only got to watch part of the game due to us having technical difficulties trying to uh, figure Pac-12 out. Pac-12 network sucks. Yeah, the Pac-12 network is absolutely terrible. Um, if you have it, you know. If you don't, you understand. At me. Fuck <laughs> Pac-12 network. If you are, I don't think, I don't think anyone's going to argue that the Pac-12 network. No, it, if dude, if you have any direct line to the Pac-12 network, please just tell them just to give up, please. <laughs> yeah, Larry Scott, you're terrible. So <laughs> we have. Uh, well, holy cow, we didn't watch the second half, so we can see most of this. But uh, Keaton Slovis still looking pretty accurate. 19 of 28, 232, uh, and two touchdowns. Um, even got Matt Fink in there too of two hundred percent. With 15 yards. Jesus. Khalil Tate just like, from what we could see. He looked the, rattled. Yeah, without the constant 
feedback and all that with the Pac-12. Uh, Cleo Tate looked absolutely terrible. Yeah, he um, looked he looked as young as he is. He looked like a young quarterback. And I think there. that goes back to <coughs> U of A not having Rich Rodriguez and yeah. not allowing Khalil Tate to do what he does best, and that's run. Mm-hmm. Um, you can't have a, a running QB be a pro-style QB. Um, no. So Grant Gunnell goes in there, 16-26, 196, two touchdowns, one interception, looking definitely better than uh, Khalil Tate, but that's because Grant Gunnell is actually a pro-style QB. Well, I mean, Khalil Tate was, you know, he went to U of A under the Rich Rodriguez era Yeah. to be – the top quarterback in the Pac-12, like he was going to be the next next Marcus Mariota. Oh yeah, he he. So uh, man, I'm probably gonna get the years wrong on this. So 2016, I believe. Yeah, it would have been 2016 because they were at U of A. Mm-hmm. Uh, he was actually in the running for the Heisman because he mm-hmm. was just destroying teams. Uh, yeah, freshman. Yeah, as a freshman, he was he was and hailed he stepped as, in actually. He wasn't the starter at the at no no. He 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 came in and you know he he really filled in great. But Khalil Tate is definitely, I think, one of the bigger busts in college football in the Pac-12. I just think you need to give him the right offense. And I think that's kind of— No, I think if he goes to, like, even an ASU, if he transfers in-state to go to Arizona State, you know, I think he starts over Jaden Daniels. And I think he's having the year that Jaden is having this year to where people are being like, hey, this guy might be a force to be reckoned with. And— he just—he's he's a victim. Year. Yeah, he's a victim of a coaching change. That's all he is. Yeah, I don't think Khalil Tate is a terrible quarterback, but I don't think he's—he's he's not a pro-style quarterback. He's no, meant I, to I, succeed in a RPO type yeah. offense. Yeah. So I got <coughs> uh, USC had a lot of injuries coming into the game, uh, and it seemed to only get worse once the game started going. Um, Marquise Step and Stephen Carr. Uh, Step 13 of 66, one touchdown. Carr 733. Uh, looked like he tweaked his ankle. Uh, we didn't have sound, so we couldn't hear what happened exactly. Uh, it didn't look too good. Step looked like he kind of rotated his leg the wrong way in a sense. Uh, but big props on Keenan Christian, uh, true freshman coming in, fastest man in California. Uh, eight carries, 103 yards, two touchdowns. Looking really good. Uh, on the Arizona side, we got uh, J.J. Taylor, 16 for 80. Um, and then the team had a total of 142 yards. Khalil Tate, though, nine carries, 27. Negative, my bad, negative 27 yards. Mm-hmm. Uh, just Arizona just not look good. And this was a, definitely a USC defense that they could have had at least a fight with with all the injuries they had coming in. Um, well, I don't, I don't think that it's – I mean – you know, not to knock on your on your Trojans here, man, but you know we had even talked at the very beginning of this game that this is a game that could get away from USC, and that they played above themselves today. They they played above their ability. They played above their coaching level. I would say they played above their coaching level, not, not yeah. their talent. Their talent is still very high. Yeah, they 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 played above where you expect USC to be. I wouldn't say that U of A is looking terrible. Um, I think that U of A ASU game is still going to be a good football game. Um, I don't think U of A is going to make a run at the Rose Bowl, but I think no. they, they can make a run at the, the Holiday Bowl. They can make a run at a bowl, we'll say that. Yeah. We're not going to try it. I don't say a bowl, bowl because I think when you talk Pac-12 
bowl games, I think you're talking Rose Bowl. No, the Rose Bowl is the Rose Bowl. <coughs> yeah. <clears throat> and then right below the Rose Bowl is the Holiday Bowl. You go play in the Holiday Bowl as a Pac-12 school, you're looking at top-tier talent in the Pac-12. So I think U of A can still make a run at it. Uh, I'm not going to knock U of A, uh, but I'm not going to put them on a pedestal because as an ASU fan, I hate U of A. But I will say U of A does look like a good football team, but they don't look elite. Uh, I think USC I think is, next year they have they have some, some noise to make. I think USC, I even said this tonight, USC is one head coach away from being an elite football program again, and that one head coach is going to announce that he's taking the job right after the last regular season. So who do you think it would be, P.J. Fleck or Urban Meyer? P.J. Fleck is not leaving Minnesota. PJ he's Fleck, in contention. No, That's what the absolutely not. I'm not, I'm not arguing against not. you. No. The reason that I'm saying he's not leaving Minnesota is because he has a Minnesota football team who's 7-0. I get Nationally that. ranked. But USC Making is, a run at the Big Ten. He's not leaving Minnesota. USC is a big name, so all you got to do is be 7-0 with USC and you're in, this, you're in the college football playoff talk. Yeah, so is Minnesota. Minnesota's, Minnesota's in the college game. football playoff talk. Yes, I, they are. Because when you talk about college football playoff teams at the Big Ten, you're talking Minnesota. You're talking Wisconsin before they lost to Illinois, and I still think they're in contention. So I still would put Wisconsin up there, and you're talking Ohio State and Penn State. Those are the four teams out of the Big Ten. Out of the Pac-12, who are you talking about? Oregon, but I'm not talking Maybe. about – so who, Maybe Oregon. So who's the Big Ten team that's made the college football playoff, though, out of the Big Ten each time? Uh, you're going to talk Ohio State. Exactly. And you that's would it. say Wisconsin if they would have showed up in the Big Twelve champ- or the Big Ten, Ten championship game against Ohio State because they were 12-0 going saying, in there. If you coach at Ohio State, you're going to have already more buzz about you than you are if you coach at Ohio Would you rather have buzz and be a bust like a Wisconsin team, or would you rather – not have any buzz around you and make the college football playoff. I'm just saying, I think the committee doesn't have an actual formula, even though they say they do. But I think your school name is what carries you. Would you rather I, – I would I would rather there not be a formula when it comes to picking the college football playoff. And the reason that I would not rather – I would rather not have a formula is because I want the four best teams in there. Exactly. And when you start doing a formula, you start talking about the busted-ass BCS where – you had a computer projection of that team getting in. That was the biggest bust in college football. And it was proven <laughs> when you're talking about a Oklahoma team. No, I'm not even going with an Oklahoma team. I'm going to go with a Nebraska team. A Nebraska team in 2001 who lost to Colorado in their final game, didn't even qualify for the Big 12 championship game. Didn't even play in the Big 12 championship but because of computer rankings and some bullshit skewed numbers. Played in a national championship game against the 2001 Miami Hurricanes and got boat raced. <laughs> you want to talk about a terrible system, let's talk about the BCS. You, you put 12 dudes in a room or 25 dudes, however many dudes yeah, there the are. Is, it, it's, it's, I don't know. I, I, you I put don't. a committee in there and you say, pick the four best teams. You're going to get... Nine times out of ten, the four best teams come out of there because you have 25 people putting in a word on it or 12. I don't know how many people it is. Michael Veach goes on a pretty good rant about the, about committees. If you yeah, know, I mean – If you haven't seen it, you should have seen it. At the very mind. end of this, remind me. Remind me. Let's, let's get into so this I, big game in the Pac-12, but remind me when we get to the end. I want to put 
on recording in hard history, my way to fix the college football playoff. But let's get into. Hopefully, don't go over time. We'll be, our, no, our listeners don't want to listen. We to can only go over time if we put on a time, dude. That like, we have as much time as we want. We have so the what, microphone. We have the computer. We have the power. So one thing I want to hit before we transfer over to the uh, Pac-12 game of the week, uh, Kanai Malga coming in for uh, uh, EA, leading the team in tackles. And just looking absolutely dominant out there. Um, shows that USC has the talent at the death, it, which is good for times like this because the uh, injuries are piling up at this point. Um, so, yes, yeah, so now we're going to our Pac-12 game of the week with Oregon and Washington. I know we said this in the beginning. We got sidetracked, didn't cover it. So now we're going to go back in and amazing cover it. Amazing football game if you didn't get a shot to watch this football game i watched it watch it tomorrow when they replay it on the pac-12 network as much as we hate on them watch the pac-12 60 and 60 on oregon versus washington because you want to see two quarterbacks that will play in the nfl absolutely dominate and put on a performance that really solidifies them as elite quarterbacks Look at Herbert and Eason. Those dudes put on a show. I think one thing I noticed with Eason, uh, especially early in the game, I can't remember which touchdown it was, but they let him unleash his arm deep. Yep. And that's one thing that he really hasn't done most of the season. Uh, so when he got that pass, it looked absolutely beautiful. Um, can't really hate on him. Uh so, I know I pronounced the running back's name wrong last week. Uh, it's Achmed, even though there's no K in it. Uh, 24 yards, 104 – my bad. 24 carries, 140 yards, one touchdown. He just looked absolutely dominant out there, um, opening it up the passing game with the play action. Um, I know we're kind of going into Washington's side and making him sound good, but Oregon actually came away with the win. Uh, Herbert, 24-38, 280, uh, four touchdowns. Uh, neither, neither quarterback threw a uh, – Interception, which is actually pretty amazing. Mm. Considering Oregon's defense is actually pretty good. And uh, Washington's defense is actually pretty good, too. Uh, rushing, we got Oregon. I don't even know how to pronounce it. Cyrus. Uh, Habibi. Liku. I'd probably just murder his name. Habibi. <laughs> uh, four, <laughs> Habibi. 14 carries, 81 yards, and one touchdown. Habibi. Um Johnny Johnson the third. That means that they had three times a fuck up that name, and they <laughs> they still gave him the third. Five catches, ninety yards, eighteen yards. Uh, no, Oregon, Oregon definitely solidified themselves as a college football playoff team, even with their early loss. I think that if they run the run the table there in the Pac-12, win the Pac-12 <laughs> championship game. You gotta give them the respect. They're gonna need help at the top. They're gonna need a Clemson or an Ohio State or a Oklahoma to lose a football game for them to sneak into the college football playoff. But there's definitely a shot that Oregon can sneak in to the top four. So, see, so yeah, I I thought Washington was gonna win this game. Um, they were they were looking pretty good. They were. They were. They were and looking like the football team that you thought they were going to be at the beginning of the season. Yeah. And I almost texted you that, but I knew you were sleeping because <laughs> you're a bum. 
Um, you know, they're at the at the very beginning. At one point in this game, they were up twenty-one to seven, and <laughs> they definitely looked like the Washington Huskies that they thought they were going to be. But Oregon comes back, storms back, wins the football game. So, Shows why Oregon is still. Yeah, so Oregon. Uh, one thing I want to point out with this is Puka Nakua, uh, USC commit that actually ended up committing to Washington, has been getting more and more playing time, and he actually looks pretty good out there. Um, I know, I think it was fourth down. They had thrown it to him, but he had kind of a shove in the back that kind of disrupted the pass, but um, just another USC commit that, that didn't end up committing that looked pretty pretty good out there. Um, so now we're going to our week nine predictions. Uh, Do you want to start with the Pac-12 or you want to start with the Big Ten? We'll start with the Pac-12 since we're already talking about the Pac-12. Okay. So USC, Colorado. I'll actually be at that game. On Friday. Yep. They're up there in Boulder. Yep. Who you got? I got USC. Well, of course you got USC. I'm going to take USC as well. Um so we can't see the spreads right now, so that's why we don't. We're not going to talk about the spreads. I'll uh, pull them up unless Mark actually wants to go onto his high value research tool and look them up. Yeah, it's called fucking Google, you hayseed. <laughs> um, but I think uh, USC comes in. Um, they haven't won a road game yet, so that's the thing that's kind of concerning. That's why you can't see the spreads. They're not out yet. Okay. Well, so we're doing this before the spreads, so we apologize. Yeah, but. so before the spreads, we'll just call them 50-50. We'll just take outright. Uh, I'm going to take USC to win. I'm going to take USC by a touchdown. I think Colorado kind of a – I think they're going to they're gonna show up more than people expect them to, but I expect USC to pull away there at the end. Yeah, we saw how the altitude in BYU affected the USC defense. I can only imagine what it's going to look like out here. Uh, next game, so early game on Saturday, Arizona plays Stanford. We're in Stanford. Uh, I'm gonna take I'm gonna take Stanford <laughs> on a coin toss. I think they only win by a field goal, but I'm gonna take Stanford to get back to 500 uh, in both Pac-12 and overall play. I think U of A kind of they I, they kind of come in with a hangover after playing USC. So I, I – it's going to boil down to who's playing QB for Arizona. Um, if it's Grant Gannell, I have Arizona beating Stanford. Um, I'm still going to take Arizona beat Stanford, to be honest with you, because I just don't have faith in the Stanford team. Okay. Um, but then again, they are playing at Palo Alto, so who knows what's going to happen. Um, Arizona State goes into UCLA. Um, Arizona State obviously coming off that loss – UCLA coming in riding high after winning a game that a lot of them saw getting blown out against Stanford. Come up against that Jaden Daniels and that high-powered offense. I'm taking ASU, and I'm taking ASU big. Okay. Uh, I'm going to take ASU also because UCLA is just a dumpster fire. <laughs> and it's just hard to kind of predict what they're going to do. Uh, next up, we got Cal in Utah. Um, next. Yeah. <laughs> Utah wins big, man. Yeah, I got yeah. I got Utah winning. Uh, I think it'd actually be a pretty good defensive battle. And fun, yeah, I got Utah. I got series. Utah by two touchdowns. I got, I got them by fourteen. Yeah, if I was Vegas, I'd put the line at seventeen. <laughs> and now we I, got Washington State and Oregon. Oregon, big. 
It's in Eugene. It's night game. I'm sorry. I don't care who you are. I don't care if you're Clemson. I don't care if you're Alabama. You don't want to go to Eugene at night in October. But then again, I'm taking Pac-12 Oregon, after babe. dark, you never know what's going to happen. Yeah, I know Pac-12, exactly what's going to happen there. Pac-12 Oregon's going to win big. Cannibalizes its own. Yeah, that's... So I'm going to take Washington State. Yeah, take them. Please. Please take them. You want to put money on it? You want to put, like, dinner on it? Because like, let's, no, put, let's put a 12-pack on it. Come on. I don't have any money. Yeah, that's what I thought. All right, so now, cover the Pac-12. For all our Big Ten listeners, here we go back to the Big Ten. Here we go, Big Ten, real football. Let's get to real some real football. We'll save that one to the end, buddy. We'll <laughs> save we'll save that big one because I think uh, that we're gonna have some disagreements. <laughs> Iowa Northwestern. Iowa goes on the road to Ryan Field. Uh, they came off that scare against Purdue. Northwestern coming off that molly whopping against Wisconsin. In Ryan Field, who you got? I'm interested. I am honestly going to go with Northwestern. Good pick. Good. Damn, you just fell over me. (laughs) Good. That's how amazing of a pick it is. I got excited. Good pick, man. I'm taking Northwestern outright by a field goal. I think with as bad as Northwestern's been all year, they're one in five. I think Northwestern gets Iowa. They get Iowa sleeping. They barely beat Purdue, so. Yeah. I'm, I'm taking Northwestern in that one. Illinois. Lovey Smith, big win against Wisconsin. Good job, Lovey Smith. Going to West Lafayette to play Purdue at night or during the day in October. I'm taking Purdue. I'm taking Illinois. You're, uh, man, how does that train feel on those tracks? I think that they're running a high right now, Mm -hmm. and it's going to take a lot to bring them down. Yeah, it's going to take a Purdue team to bring them down. I don't, I don't see Purdue beating them. You just uh, said earlier that Illinois is a better program than Purdue. So They are a better program. I will say that. But I think Purdue gets them. I, I, I don't see Purdue losing at home. Purdue also beat Ohio State at home. They also beat Iowa at home. I don't see him losing at home. All right. So now we're going to Liberty versus Rutgers. Who you got, Mark? I don't even know who those two schools are. Uh, <laughs> I'm, I'm going to take I'm gonna take Liberty based off record. They're five and two. <laughs> yeah, that's, <laughs> that's exactly what I was going to say. <laughs> Rutgers is one and five or one and six. I don't even know who those two schools are. The only reason I know Rutgers is because they're in the Big Ten. Greg Chiana. Uh, yeah, I'm taking Liberty. All right, I got Liberty, too. Now we're on to Penn State versus your defensive team, Michigan State. Mm-hmm. Who you got? I'm taking Penn State because I got Penn State winning the whole thing. Yeah, I got Michigan State. I got in a toss-up game. If we're, if we're going to talk that there is there's no line, I'm just going to take upright. I'm going to take Michigan State and East Lansing. I think Penn State comes in playing a tough, tough, tough game. Against Michigan, Michigan State kind of studies that film. They kind of understand them a little bit more. Penn State's kind of coming off of a very high prep week. They go into East Lansing, kind of catch Michigan State sleeping. Michigan State jumps out so early, and they hold it all the way through the end. All right. Uh, now we got Maryland and Minnesota, which I think the obvious pick here is Minnesota. Minnesota big. All right. Now your beloved Huskers versus Indiana. In Lincoln, Nebraska. Husker power. You going with the Huskers? You goddamn right. I'm going with the Huskers, and this is why. 
Adrian Martinez finally looks like the Heisman Trophy candidate that he is supposed to be. Maurice Washington runs for 150 yards on him. J.D. Spielman catches two touchdown passes. We beat them, and we beat them big, 34-7. to I'm taking Indiana. Oh, you're literally doing it to spite me. Fuck you. <laughs> <laughs> you're literally you, – there's no way you could take Indiana to beat Nebraska. There's no fucking way. <laughs> Nebraska has not looked like the team that we thought they were going to be, that they were going to be a Big Ten championship contending team. I didn't say they'd be a Big Ten championship team. Okay, I did. You did. Yeah, I absolutely did. But there's no way. Indiana, no. Absolutely right. not. You're so now, wrong. So now you we are got, wrong. We got Notre Dame versus Michigan. You're wrong. I want to hear what you got for this. Oh, I got Michigan. Ooh, I got You're in the big house. You're in the big house, homie. You're in the big house. You are playing in the early afternoon into the night. You're talking about the big house that has the skyboxes tilted in, noise on the field. Notre Dame is untested. The only team that they played all year they lost to, which was Georgia, Michigan wins. I got Notre Dame. I think as bad as Notre Dame has looked, especially against USC, they beat them. They're still, yeah, exactly. But they're they're still good enough to beat a Michigan team because this Michigan team just got beat by Penn State and got 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 beat by by Wisconsin. They got beat by a Penn State team who's going to lose to Michigan State. They're not going to lose to Michigan State. But I don't know. I take them. All right, big game. Big, huge game. I think it'd be a lot bigger if Wisconsin could have held on and beat Illinois. Wisconsin goes to the horseshoe to play Ryan Day and Ohio State. I don't think the question is who wins this game, because I think we can both agree Ohio State's going to win this football game. Is it going to be within three touchdowns? I think so. I think the Wisconsin defense... I'm just going to say Wisconsin overlooked Illinois and was was game planning for Ohio State more. Uh, even though there's no excuse to lose to an Illinois, but I think this Wisconsin team comes out with a chip on the shoulder, and they don't lose by more than would you say three touchdowns? Three touchdowns. Yeah, I, I don't. I see it being like at least a touchdown, if not ten points. Ohio State wins by thirty. That's my prediction. Ohio State wins by thirty. They win big. Pretty asinine prediction, but all right. I I just I don't see it. I I don't see Ohio State being tested by anybody this year. Until they get to the national championship game, and they might get tested by Alabama. Maybe. Like, I know I'm going against a lot of my predictions that I had (laughs) with, you know, I picked Ohio State to win the Big Ten. But you picked Nebraska to win the Big Ten. Okay, we're not talking about those predictions. (laughs) (laughs) We're not talking about the predictions when I was high on the heat in Kuwait. I'm talking about the predictions that I made after seeing the college football. Ohio State doesn't get tested until the college football game. Now, the question is, is can they hold on to that success? And that's, I think, what we're going to be waiting to see going into this Wisconsin game, going into a Minnesota game, going into Big Ten championship game, and then eventually into uh, the college football playoff. Now, I told you all I was going to do this, and I'm going to do it. And I want, you, I want to hear your ideas on this when I talk about my way to fix the college football playoff. So right now, the way that it works is the top four teams play each other. And they get seeded one through four by the college football committee. And then one and four play two and three. And then the winners of those two games play in the national championship game. 
the biggest thing that we've had an issue with in the college football is who are the top four football teams? Does conference championships hold weight? Does win-loss? Does points of margin hold more weight? What holds more weight to make yourself into the top four of college football? Expand college football playoff to eight teams. Not only do you give yourself more opportunity to make it into the quote-unquote tournament, but you give yourself an option to make conference championships worth something. Conference championships are not settled on the field in the fact of a neutral site football game, but you have an outright conference champion. So you have your big five. You have the ACC, you have the Big Ten, you have the Big 12, you have the Pac-12, and you have the SEC. You have an outright champion that gets put into it. So there you go. You have five automatic bids that you get slotted by your win-loss record or by your strength of schedule of who the number one team is and all that. That's your one through five. Then you have three slots there. So that gives you three slots for like an LSU who didn't win the SEC. You have a slot for a Wisconsin who didn't win the Big Ten. Then you have a slot or maybe even two slots for like a UCF or a Boise State or a Hawaii or a fucking Utah that didn't win their conference or is a one of the minor five to make it into the college football playoff. So there you go. You have your eight teams set, one through eight. You have four games. The top four seeds play on their home field. So therefore, say Alabama. Can you imagine the atmosphere that Tuscaloosa would have if it was a college football playoff game? Or an atmosphere that USC would have if it was at the Coliseum for a college football playoff? Or a Nebraska if we were in the college football playoff, what the atmosphere of that school would be like on that first week. So there you go. You have those four games. When are those four games? Go play on a neutral site. Don't put them in a bowl game. Leave the Rose Bowl. Leave the Cotton Bowl. Leave the Sugar Bowl. Leave the Fiesta Bowl for those conferences that have those tie-ins. You know, let those be specific. Because we, you know, starting the season, you're going to know the eight teams or ten teams that are contending for the playoff. They're not going to want to go play in the fucking Rose Bowl. They're going to want to be on their home field that first week playing that conference game or playing that home field playoff game on the road and looking to go to the neutral site. The neutral site, you contract that out. So there's your money. So you have... You know, say if it's a Big Ten team and an SEC team playing, say you rent out AT&T, AT&T Stadium for that second round game or the Colts Stadium or Santa Clara for the 49ers, you rent out that game for the second game. For, <clears throat> for those two, then you win, you go to a national championship game. Don't make the national championship game a pre- determined site make the national championship game relevant to where those schools are from because last year we had clemson and alabama the national championship game traveling all the way to santa clara california to play a national championship game now if you're in one of those schools playing in the game it doesn't really matter because the schools are going to fly you out there they're going to get you there they're going to set you up in a nice hotel 
But what about Billy Joe that lives in a trailer park in Tuscaloosa, fucking Alabama? How's he going to get out there and celebrate? How's he going to get out there and support his Crimson Tide? He's not. The dude makes five bucks an hour working at Circle K up there on the corner. You know what I mean? Put it, you know, for Clemson and Alabama, put it in, put it in the Georgia Dome. Put it in Nashville Stadium out there where the Titans play. Put it in Indianapolis even where the Colts play. Put it somewhere on the East Coast where, you know, those fans can travel and they can get out there and they can support their schools. Because that's what makes college football great is the student sections. The the college band playing while you have the alumni out there that have been supporting their team since the 19-fucking-30s out there supporting their teams. That's how you improve the college football playoff. That's how you make the college football playoff even more exciting than it is now where you have two teams playing in the Rose Bowl and the Sugar Bowl ready to go play in the national championship game out in bumfuck California when they're all from the East Coast. That's how I improved the college football playoff. Well, all right. I think the uh, the eight-team motto is pretty much adopted by most people that uh, follow college sports and talk about it. I think it's just very – varies in each different slot um one thing i will say though is uh you you gotta be a to get the top five seats you gotta be a a conference champion Mm -hmm. so nothing like the alabama and georgia debacle that happened a couple years ago yeah but in my model alabama conference champion number one seed they're in tuscaloosa or number two seed or number three seed or number four seed they're in Tuscaloosa that first round. Georgia slips in because they're an at-large bid. You know, they get in over, you know, a Wisconsin or an Iowa or a USC or somebody. They still slip in, but they got to go on the road. They got to go to a hostile environment and earn their way into the second round of the college football playoff. So, therefore, Georgia, hey, great, man. You did it. You made the college football playoff, but can you go to a hostile environment a la South Carolina last week and win a football game? Obviously, they proved last week Georgia can't win on the road. Uh, South Carolina came into Georgia. No, it was at South Carolina. I'd put, I'd put my left testicle on it. Georgia can't win on the road. Obviously, they lose. They'd be playing a team like Wisconsin. They'd be playing a team like Ohio State, a Big Ten champion. They'd be playing a Big 12 champion like Oklahoma. They came into Georgia. No. (laughs) Yeah, they did. (laughs) I'm done. No. They came into Georgia. All right. Well, anyway, (laughs) what I'm saying. Where's your left testicle? Huh? Yeah, you can grab it after the show, man. (laughs) Uh, You can grab it with your fucking mouth. Uh, What I'm saying is, is like, Georgia can, can sneak in and. They would have to they would have to earn their right to play the second round. And they'd have to play like an Oklahoma or an Ohio State at their house. Crowd absolutely redonkulous because it's a playoff game. You're starting to you know, at that point you're starting to adopt the NFL style, which I think the NFL style of the playoff is the absolute perfect model when it comes to the playoffs. Put them in their home stadiums. 
let the campuses, you know, the, the whole reason that we have college football is the colleges want to make money. And, you know, we start talking about things that me and you want back, like a college football video game, so that I can just destroy your fucking ass every time we get on the stage. I have it at the house. So I'd beat you any day with USC. I mean, it's only midnight, so. We, well, we, I, it's too late now. I have to bring the whole Xbox. Yeah, everything. that's what I thought. Um, that's, you know, we're talking about money. You're talking about a whole dump of money coming into those colleges that I don't, I don't see a loser in that situation. I don't. Yeah, I, uh, excuse me. Mm. I think the top five seeds get home field advantage. And the way you go about, top four, my bad. The way you go about seeding the top four is strength of schedule. Then after strength of schedule, you look at point margins. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I you, you have to look at strength of schedule, but how much does strength of schedule get skewed? By the SEC biased, a lot because Alabama usually has a pretty weak schedule, which Nick Saban went on a rant about a few weeks ago. Yeah, but I mean, no, hey, you got to give Alabama credit, man. Alabama plays juggernauts like the Citadel in November. <laughs> all right, like they play the juggernauts like UL Lafayette. Like, come on, man, you got to give them credit. <laughs> That's why I don't buy into the SEC bias. No, I do think I do think Alabama is a really good team. Don't get me wrong. But I don't. Average. I don't see. Average. I don't see the SEC being on such a pedestal if they put it on. Uh, I don't. I don't see Alabama beating Ohio State. I don't. I don't see it either. I don't see any team beating Ohio State. And I will say this. I will say it on record. I will say it a hundred times until I'm blue in the face. Until somebody can come on and argue this with me, the Big Ten is a better conference than the SEC. I wouldn't go that far. Why I'd, not? I don't. Why not? I wouldn't say the SEC is the best conference by any means. So okay, so the SEC is not the best conference. Who no. is the best conference? That's for a later date. No, no, no. It's not for a later date. That's now because <laughs> I said it. You argued it. SEC is not the best conference. Big Ten's not better than the SEC. So who's better? Pac-12, Big Ten, ACC. <coughs> you mean Big Twelve? Mountain West. <coughs> the Big Twelve. The Big Twelve. No, I, so you said Oklahoma. Big. You said the Big Ten is better than Big Ten. No, the Big Ten is the best conference of college football. I wouldn't go that far. Okay, who's the best conference of college football? I think it's all mediocre in a sense. It's think, all mediocre. I, th- I think everyone has their own strengths. No, no, no. there has to be no, 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 no. Everyone has their strengths and weaknesses. All right, dude, take a fucking stand. Be a man. I think the Pac-12 who's, is better than the Big Ten. What? So yeah. the so the Pac-12 is the best conference of college football. I wouldn't say it's the best conference by any means. So who's better? I don't know. I, you don't know. I don't know. I, I, fucking tell me. I don't know. <laughs> what do you mean you don't know? I don't know. I think oh I think God. it's all spread out right no, now. I absolutely not. It's not spread out because the Big Ten. I can I can name you four teams that are in contention for the college football playoff in the Big Ten, and that's Penn State, Wisconsin, Ohio State. Oh, Wisconsin not anymore. No, Wisconsin definitely is, and we went over it at the very beginning. No. That Wisconsin, if they beat Ohio I think there's State, team, there's teams definitely ahead of Wisconsin. No, right if now. they beat Ohio State twice during the college football playoff, I'd put money on it. Yeah, I don't think they're going to beat Ohio not, State twice. You know, we're not talking about that now, though. We're talking. We're not talking about the future. We're talking about now. Yeah, right now. Yeah, absolutely. Wisconsin's not in the college football playoff. Okay, so Penn State goes to the Pac-12, and they're not running the table. No. Who's going to beat them? Oregon. Oregon's yeah. going to get boat raced by Penn State. I don't think so. Who? Washington. 
I don't Washington think Washington State, would beat them. USC? Or, USC beat them in 2016. Oregon State? USC beat could... them in 2016. Okay. That was 2016. I'm just saying. Don't. What's our podcast name? Any given, Any given Saturday. Yeah. Any you given never s- know what's going to happen. No, but I know for a fact Penn State would go to the Pac-12 and run the table. I don't think so. Wisconsin goes to the Pac-12, is going to give everybody a run for their money, if not run the table. I can't wait for the bowl season. Oh I can't God. wait. Oh, yeah, the bowl season where the Big Ten usually dominates the bowl season. No, we'll see. Yeah, look up last year's record of the Big Ten and the Bulls. All right, looking it up right now. I think we have one loss. Two and ten. Two and ten? No, <laughs> that's the SEC. That's the SEC. Uh, no, I, I – I would argue, and because you don't want to get into it, because you keep looking at the clock, Big Ten is the best conference in college football, top to bottom, most well-rounded, any team can win on any Saturday. You can say that about the Pac-12, though. Any team can win. But here's my caveat to that. You take the top six teams in the Big Ten, and you put them in any other conference, and they're going to give that conference problems. You put Iowa in the Big 12, Iowa's going to make a run at the Big 12 championship. I but don't. I don't think it would. I I do. I think the, the only the two big, teams the Big that 12 would prides them. itself on offense, not defense. And Iowa exactly. doesn't seem that and that's much the problem. offense. And Iowa has a good defense. Yeah, Iowa still, would go down there and shut down a lot of those teams. And any of those teams that you say, oh, they would just air raid them out. They've beaten air raid teams. I'm not saying they air raid them out. I'm just saying that Big 12 is a heavily offense conference. Yes. Yeah, so what are they going to do? Run the ball? You're not going to run the ball against a Big 10 team. A lot of conferences try and do that in the bowl season, and they get boat raced by Big Ten teams. You have your opinion, which is completely wrong, and I have mine. <laughs> get the <laughs> fuck out of here. What I'm saying is you could put fucking Wisconsin in the Pac-12. Wisconsin's going to run the table. I don't think they would. Two reasons. One, they're going to beat them on defense. And two, no team in the Pac-12 on the, on the West Coast is going to come up there to Madison, Wisconsin in November and December and give them the time of day. I don't know. Maybe one team, Utah, because it, it, it snows down in Utah. That's maybe the only I just team. Think, I think you're discrediting the Pac-12 way too much. Okay, let's go to the ACC. They, yeah, they would run the table in the ACC. The let's only, go to the SEC. The only problem would be Clemson in the ACC. I don't think Clemson would come up to Madison and do anything. No, I'm I saying that I, I think if you put those teams in the ACC, the only team in the ACC that's worth a damn is Clemson. Yeah, but let's let's put let's put uh, fuck it, let's stay with it. Let's put Wisconsin down in the SEC. How do you think they do in the SEC? Yeah, put them up against I, Tennessee. I, put them up against Florida. <laughs> put them up against Texas A and M. Those teams, yeah, they would they would be. But put them up against Georgia. I don't know if they'd beat them. Wisconsin versus Georgia. I guarantee you that's a bowl game. I That'd be a really good bowl game. I'd like to watch that. Exactly. I, I think, I, so that's I think, the second team in the SEC, and that's a really good bowl game. I so think, you're telling me Wisconsin is not going to be a force to be reckoned with in the SEC? I wouldn't say that far. I think So I think the biggest thing with these Midwest teams, I don't know why Rutgers is in the Big Ten, but uh, – Money. Well, Greg Shiano mainly, but yeah. – uh, the biggest thing with these Midwest teams is they have these big corn-fed linemen, mm-hmm. and you're not going to penetrate them, especially with the Pac-12 team. I'm not saying that these teams run the table in the Pac-12 by any means because the Pac-12 would adjust, and Pac-12 has good offensive or defensive line and some good offensive linemen. But 
I think if you go to like the ACC where they go on mostly speed and mm-hmm. versatility, then yeah, they're going to run the table. But the SEC is a bunch of corn-fed, big linemen. Uh. And I, I think that's where they hit the, the stalemate is they're going to be going big on big. What teams in the SEC are elite, though? Uh, right now, mm-hmm. I would say Alabama and LSU. Okay, so you put Alabama and LSU. You have right. to respect no, Nick no, Saban no, no. regardless. Let's, let's not put let's not put Wisconsin in the SEC. Let's put Alabama in the Big Ten. Where do they finish? Uh, how many conference games do you guys play? Play nine. Nine. Uh, I would say seven and two or eight and one. Okay, seven and two. Who are those two losses? Uh, Ohio State for sure right now. If we're yeah. talking about right now, Ohio State. And then I got. So keep in mind, they probably have to go on the road to play Penn State, Michigan State. They'll get Michigan at home. They'll get Ohio State at home. They'll get. So Ohio State's definitely a loss. And I would say the second one, if there is a second one, would be either Penn State or. This is kind of hard. I'd say probably Penn State. Yeah. So you're talking about an Alabama team who runs the table perennially in the SEC without any I'm not issues. arguing that SEC is a strong conference by any means. I'm just saying that the Big Ten prides itself on running the ball down your throat with these mm-hmm. big linemen. And I think if you're going to go out to the top contenders in each conference, you're not going to win out. But I think you're going to have – But there's Big Ten teams that do it. And do it without fail. That's Ohio State. That's Penn State. That's Michigan. That's Wisconsin. Are you saying Michigan's a good team now? I'm not saying Michigan's a good team, but perennially they have won out. I mean, they you know Michigan has been there up until the Ohio State game. I think you put Michigan in any other conference, they don't do as well as they're doing. No, I think you put Michigan in the Big 12, they're running the conference. I don't. Think I think so. you put Michigan in the Pac-12 to run in the conference. I nah. think you put Michigan in the ACC to run in the conference. Michigan would not because run the you conference. put Michigan against any other team other than Penn State, Ohio State, and Wisconsin. They're winning the football game. Nah. Yeah, absolutely. I don't see them winning out in name me conference. one of their losses in the last five years other than Ohio State, Wisconsin, or Penn State or <laughs> Michigan, Michigan State. State. Michigan State team that got beat by an Arizona State team this year. Yeah, but, I mean, we're talking four years ago. Mike D'Antoni had that team in the top four. I'm just saying, you want to talk about these teams that are going to come in and run, but Nebraska, who did they lose to? Oh, Nebraska lost to everybody. Like, no, but who did they, they lose in the Pac-12? Colorado. A terrible team in the Pac-12. Yeah. I, do. I, I have not once said Nebraska. I'm just saying, don't say that these teams are going to come into these conferences and run the table when teams from your conference have come into the Pac-12 and lost. Yeah, but our teams have also went into your conference and won. I'm not doubting that. I'm just saying, though, it's not going to be like – you're making it sound like it's going to be a landslide if you put any Big team, big Ten team in any other conference. It's I'm not like, saying it's going to be a landslide, but I'm saying they're going to contend. I think I'll, I'll give them that. You, I think you, if you put Nebraska in the Pac-12, we're going to contend. No. Absolutely. No. Absolutely. Because that Colorado game, if we had a kicker, we would have won that football game. Yeah, but any other game, you could be like, well, if I had a kicker, if I didn't have a penalty, if I had this playback, I could win. No, I mean – It's not yeah. what it boils – it boils down to execution. If your team isn't executing the whole game and it comes down to last play, then – No, but Nebraska wrong. goes in there. Nebraska is going to contend against the U of A. They're going to contend against USC this year. They're going to contend against – I think USC would beat them as Washington as State. Is. They're going to contend against – I mean, we'll see because I guarantee you – and I'll put this on paper. 
Nebraska will play USC in a bowl game this year. I guarantee it. And the reason is because I see the trajectory of the two teams. We're going to play in the fucking Cheez-It Bowl. Or we're going to play <coughs> in the whatever the bowl is in Santa Clara that the Pac-12 and Big Ten have tie-ins to. I can't remember the name of it. I, don't know. I know the Pac-12 had its championship game out there, and it was not selling worth a damn because it's no, Santa mean, Clara. It, it's not going to be – well, we're going to bring fans in. Because Nebraska, we take fans everywhere. I I'm, just, I, I'm just I, saying I would that almost put – my life savings, which like I said earlier, is ten dollars, on that Nebraska and USC playing a bowl game this year. I'm just saying you're underestimating the amount of talent that these West Coast teams have. No, you guys have talent. You guys have absolutely. You guys have talent because you guys have the largest state in the continental U or in the United States of America, and you guys have the most talent in that biggest state that you guys can pull from. And I know how hometown bias goes. Like, if I was a better high school football player, I would have went to Nebraska, even though I played in Arizona. And played as a walk-on. Not Don't try to hype it up like you nah, were first year. I mean, if I was better, I would have got a scholarship, all right? But I blew out my knee, you know what I mean? Okay, Uncle Rico. Uh, <laughs> I could throw football over those. Anyway, you know, if, if even if I would have had scholarships from Alabama, Clemson, and Ohio State, I, I would have went to Nebraska because I have a hometown bias. I know how it goes. So I'm not denying that the West Coast teams have talent. And people want to stay close to home. You know, there's a reason I came to Colorado Springs is because I knew I was 12 hours away from Arizona. I could go see my mama, go see my sister. And I know how it goes, so I'm not denying you guys have talent. But what I'm saying is is that our, the Midwestern teams in the Big Ten – are better football teams overall as a conference than any other conference in college football. And what I'm yet to find, and I'm still in the last 20 minutes that you and I have been talking about this, somebody to prove me wrong and name me a conference that is better than the Big Ten. I think the Pac-12 overall is better just because it's mediocre. What's your highest ranked team? It's, that's what I'm saying. It's all mediocre. Our, t- our teams can go in at any given Saturday, just like yours, and win a game. Mm, ours isn't any given Saturday. Ours isn't, hey, we're going to be an underdog coming to this team and win the football game. You know, and as much as I hate them, we get to claim Ohio State. Ohio State can be any team in the college football landscape. This year, without a doubt. Then anybody can say that. And we have that team. We have a Wisconsin team that I just think Illinois Wisconsin's beat. beatable. Well, obviously they just lost. <laughs> you dumb shit. I'm just saying you're well, you're I'm building them up is, like they're going to beat anyone now. But I don't. I think I, they can. I they absolutely. They, can. they have the best defense in the country. They got torched today by Illinois because they were overlooking because they were looking at a college game day matchup with Ohio State. They got torched. They gave up 29 points all year coming into this game. They gave up. 24 to an Illinois team. They lost a turnover battle 3-1. to one. They didn't give the ball to Jonathan Taylor at the end. So does that fall on Paul Christ? Absolutely that falls on Paul Christ. But I think there isn't a team in college football that can come into the Big Ten and compete because they're going to fall to Wisconsin. They're going to fall to Ohio State. They're going to fall to Penn State. So you're saying Wisconsin's elite when they played Southern Florida, 
CMU, Michigan, I'll give them that, Northwestern, Kent, Michigan State, Illinois. Absolutely. Because in all those games that you just pulled up, in USF, CMU, they shut them out. Those are both terrible terms. By a combined score of 110 to nothing, they beat them. And yes, they are terrible. Those are both terrible teams. They are. But what are you supposed to do to terrible teams? Supposed to beat them. Yeah. And you're supposed to embarrass them, right? 110 to nothing. You embarrass those two teams. Michigan. Coming into that game, Michigan was the number 11 team in the nation. They were riding high. And that 35 to 14 game was not even close. Northwestern. Northwestern will play a team close no, historically. They got beat by Stanford. Yet again, another no, big they're team. One of, they're a one and five team. Absolutely. Northwestern like, is absolutely terrible, but they will play a team close no matter who they play. They beat them. All right. Then they went on. They played Kent State at home, embarrassed them. <laughs> Michigan State came in. They embarrassed them. And Illinois got them sleeping right before. Who's that next team? Who's that team they're playing at 10 a.m. on Fox? Uh, where college game day is going to be. Where is it? Uh, it should be. Ohio uh, State? Yeah. On the road? At the horseshoe? You don't think they were overlooking an Illinois team? So what happens if they lose to Ohio State? I you still think they're elite? I think that they're better than a fucking Oregon State or... Well, yeah, you're not going to... Comp- That's comparing the bottom so where do, tier. So where, where do you put Wisconsin at in the Big Ten? Ranked wise. One through, Ten are one, one through 14. One through 14 in the Big Ten, where are they at? Uh, I would probably put them... Number three. Uh, so, get, you know, I put them number four. Number four. So right where in the SEC, a... Mm, let's see. It's a pretty big Georgia. A in the Pac-12, a the Pac-12 Washington, four. or in a Big 12, a Baylor, or in the ACC, a Miami would be. That's where you'd put Wisconsin. Yeah. And you're telling me Wisconsin couldn't beat any of those three teams I just named off. They beat some of them. I wouldn't say they beat all of them. I think they beat all of them. Who would uh, beat them in those? In those I think teams? Washington would beat them. Washington? Yeah. Washington would beat Wisconsin. I think so. Oh, Jesus. All right. Well, you <laughs> – your Pac-12 bias is coming out. You need to hide it. Uh, no, your Big Ten bias has been out for the last 30 minutes. Talking about how, you're, how any team in your conference would run the table on any – No, game. not any team. I think Rutgers goes to the fucking ACC and gets ran because – You said you know, any team. You literally said any team earlier. I didn't say any team. You I did. said our you top said, teams. You said any team in the Big Ten would go to another conference and run it. Not run it. They would succeed and they would be at the top. But That's running, okay, I redact it? I redact that statement. I don't think Rutgers goes to the ACC and does anything because they didn't do anything in the ACC before they came over to the Big Ten. I don't think Purdue does anything. Uh, mm, I think they go five hundred. I think they That's win their home games. Anything. I think I think that I don't think a uh, Miami could come to Purdue in West Lafayette and win a game on a Saturday night. I don't think so. I don't think. Well, I haven't watched Miami this year, so I don't know how bad they are. I just know they they're have, they're they're up and down. They're they're almost like a like a USC. They they'll show up on some nights. They won't show up on another. Um, I think. I think in the Big Ten, <coughs> Big Ten overall, 
I'll give you Big Ten has a lot of talent. I'll give you that. But Big I'm, Ten. I'm not going to let you sit no. here and say that you're going to No, Big Ten does table. not have a lot of talent. Big Ten has talent from the transfer portal in, like, Justin Fields. In so I, when I say talent, I meant, like, you, you have a lot of teams that are that are good. I'll give you that. but It goes I off coaching. Yeah, and 100%. But I don't think your teams go to other conferences and run the table unless it's Ohio State. I think our top three teams go to any other conference and compete for a conference title. I, I agree with that 100%. And I think that's that. Ohio State, Wisconsin, and Penn State. Go to any other conference in college football. They not only compete, but I would say they win a majority of the conferences. And I think a lot of that comes from Ohio State. I don't think there's a better complete football team on all three sides of the football than Ohio State. I think Wisconsin, even with their loss to Illinois, is a good football team. And I think Penn State showed tonight that they can win with all eyes on the Nittany Lion. Um, Now, moving forward, Nebraska. You know, let's close it out talking about our teams. And I'll start off. I'll let you finish it out with your team, Nebraska. Four and three, going up against Indiana. Um, I think we boat race Indiana. And looking back to last year, we got it together in the last half of the season. We started out 0-6. We finished out 4-2 and with a five-point loss to Ohio State and a three-point loss to Iowa. I think Scott Frost, I think we get that team together. And I think we beat Ohio, or we beat Indiana. We beat Purdue. We go into the bye week. Call me crazy. Write it down. Uh, 1226 a.m. on the 20th of October. Mark Allen Mandry says that we beat Wisconsin at home. And I think our only loss remaining on the schedule is Maryland. And the reason I say Maryland is that we're going to overlook Maryland after beating Wisconsin, looking at Iowa, and we lose to Maryland. Finish the season 8-4. and four which is where we want to be. And by beating Iowa and with Minnesota beating or getting beat by Iowa, we go to the Big Ten Conference game. We lose to Ohio State in dramatic fashion. We go to the Rose Bowl and we win the Rose Bowl. I'm just kidding. No. We, uh, I think, for us <laughs> to have a successful season, like I said last year, we have to flip the schedule and that could either be Eight and four, eight and five. I'm leaning more towards eight and five, where we finish our regular season seven and five with losses to Wisconsin and Iowa. We go to the bowl game against USC or an ASU or U of A out there in Santa Clara, and we beat them, and we finish at eight and five. And I think that'd be a big success moving into next season, and hopefully we have a better showing next year so so my question is because i know nebraska is a very loyal fan base mm-hmm. how many losses to nebraska fans are actually upset with scott frost uh, i think we already hit that when we lost to 
When we lost to Minnesota, that was a big blow to our fan base. And what I can see from our fan base is that in year two, Scott Frost took UCF from 6-6 six and six to 12-0 and 0, and eventually 14-0 when he won the conference and he won the quote-unquote national championship because he said, we're the national champions. We're the only ones undefeated. They were expecting that here at Nebraska. The problem with that is everything that I just mentioned for the last 30 minutes is the Big Ten is a way tougher conference than whatever fucking conference UCF plays in. Uh, I believe it's Conference USA. Yeah. Um, I think that if we go 8-5 and five this year with a bowl win, and next year we go 9-3, and three, and the next year we go 9-4, and four, and the next year we go 10-3, and three, but we keep losing the big game, that's when Nebraska fans start getting restless. We're not at the, the years where it took 21 years for Tom Osborne to win a national championship. And we're not at the years where it took Bob Devaney 75 years from the start of Nebraska football to our first national championship to win it. We expect in the next three years for us to be competing for a national championship. Me personally, I don't. I don't expect Nebraska to be beating Alabama. I don't expect us to be beating Clemson or Ohio State in the next three years. It's going to take a massive shift in culture and everything for us to be <coughs> at that level of an Urban Meyer, Ohio State, or a Nick Saban, Alabama. <coughs> Do I think it's possible? Yes. But we have to be patient. Trust the process. Yeah, that's pretty gay. <laughs> Trust the process. So we got uh, USC going into Colorado uh, in Boulder, which I'll be there, so I'm pretty excited. Uh, got US, USC coming away with a win. Uh, then we got Oregon at the Coliseum. Um, I see Oregon winning that game, uh, but it being pretty close. Then we go to uh, Arizona State, and – I think that one would be a very close game due to Herm Edwards being Herm Edwards and keeping close games going and finishing them out, um, even though they didn't come out today. But I think their uh, offensive line got exposed pretty bad. But I see USC winning that one. Then we go to Cal. Uh, I think that defense will give USC a problem, but I don't see USC losing. And then UCLA, uh, USC has to win that game because it's UCLA. Um, so I, the rest of the season should be pretty interesting. Um, but we'll see in the next few weeks what happens with Clay Helton and his job and along with the AD. So same question. At what point do you guys – so obviously there's a lot of people in the USC fan base – Calling for Helton said right now. Yeah. At what point is it enough? What game do you guys lose that on Sunday night Todd Helton's packing his bags because he knows Clay Monday Helton. morning Clay Helton or Clay Helton. He knows Monday morning 
at 6 o'clock in the morning, he's getting a phone call from your guys' AD that he is relieved of his duties as a college football coach at the University of Southern California. So the, the problem with that is we have we only have an interim AD, um, and they still haven't hired. They have gone out there and interviewed a lot of uh, different ADs who are active right now. But the problem is, is trying to pull one of those in during your probably biggest revenue generating sport football season. Um, but I would I would have said that either the BYU loss, the Notre Dame loss, uh, even the Washington loss, because they just they literally just got outplayed. Um, but I think going forward, I think if you lose any of these games, including Oregon, that uh, an eight and four season is just not acceptable at all. Not even a nine and three. This was the year that you're supposed to come back and lose only maybe one or two games and run the table to try. Yeah, to but I mean, you guys lose to Oregon. You guys are expected to lose to Oregon. You guys are, you know, I I guarantee you when that game comes out that the line is 14, 14 and a half Oregon's way. How bad do you guys have to lose to Oregon before they say, hey, coach, you're done. You're relieved of your duties here. And they put you guys' offensive or defensive coordinator as the interim head coach with your interim AD and just wait for that AD to come in to hire Urban Meyer. Because we all know that's where it's going. Yeah, I um I don't know. They've Dave Roberts, the interim AD, has already said that he is not gonna be in charge of the coaching changes. So more than likely it's just Helton's gonna stay until we get that A D. Um but I would say he, they've already lost uh, more than half of the fan base, for probably even more than that for the football, um, just for how bad this team has looked this year, even though they shouldn't. Um, but I think if you lose to Oregon by two touchdowns or more, like you, you're going to lose the rest of the fan base, other than like obviously the students and the, the, the family members. But USC has more talent than everyone that they are going against the rest of the season. So to lose to any of them is 100% a show of how bad the coaching is. Yeah. I I think that if you guys lose by 20 or more to Oregon, the rumblings really start getting there. And then if you guys lose by any amount of points to UCLA, I think Helton's back in his bags. Yeah, um, last year uh, I got to watch like the end of the season, and that Notre Dame game when they looked like they should have won it and they ended up losing, I thought for sure he would fired it that that night. Um, but there's a lot of uh, former players like Keyshawn Johnson and stuff like that who have openly been out and saying that they want Helton to be gone because it's just this team is just not what USC represents by any means no absolutely not and as an outside fan looking in uh, I will say that USC is not where it should be and I think for the sake of this podcast we need Nebraska and USC to be back where they belong (laughs) and that is on top of college football on top of 
where they used to be because I think everyone can agree when Nebraska and USC are nationally ranked, it's a lot better of a college football playoff and a college football landscape in, in all of football. So, Hey, we appreciate you guys listening. We appreciate you guys, uh, coming in, listening to us, supporting us here at the beginning. Um, we're trying to get better. If there's something that you guys see that we can do better, please email us at any given Saturday, CFB at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter at any given Saturday CFB. And we appreciate you guys listening. We hope you guys have a great night. Uh, as we can say, go big red and fight on. All right.